We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Thank you, Brewster. Wow, love this intro music. Right up my alley. Hello, St. Louis and surrounding areas. You are listening to another edition of At Your Service here on the voice of St. Louis, KMOX. You might recognize this voice, typically heard, well, when I'm on Sunday afternoons for the Dollars and Cents show. But nope, that's what I do. That's part of the day job. During the day, I'm a certified financial planner, head of the Simons and Cordes Wealth Management Group, located within the friendly confines of UBS Financial Services. But by night, I get to shed the suit and come down here and be the everyman. So it's just Dave Simons today, not the certified financial planner or any of that stuff that goes on during the day. No, I'm just regular old Dave. And I get to talk about anything that's on my mind, although it does, I admit, it it sort of circles back to a lot of financial-related stuff and what's happening in the economy. But I really do try to make it um, relevant to all of our lives, and that is my goal. So welcome, everybody. I appreciate you taking time to tune in to KMOX this evening and uh, specifically this very show. One of the books that I used to read to my kids, who are now in their mid to late 20s, was something that perhaps you read to your own kids. Or maybe you were one of the kids that had this book read to you, depending on your age. Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. I looked that up, by the way. I didn't know that that book was first published in 1972, 50 years ago. Really, I thought... When I was reading that book to my kids in the mid-90s that, I don't know, did it just come out? No, it had already been out some 20-plus years by then. But the reason I bring that title up is we've all had those days, right, where nothing seems to go right. That was me today. So I am changing the title to uh, good old yours truly, Dave, and the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. It And, yeah, woe is me. We all have them. But what I'm talking about is not just the one thing. It's like... When it when something really bad happens in the morning, and I'm not superstitious, but don't we all think, oh, is this the way the day's going to go? Is there something else that's going to happen today? And then it does. And then you think, did I do something bad in a former life that's like now coming back at me? I mean, you start to question these things. 
So I've been having the the, uh, lower back issues are a chronic thing in the Simons men for generations. My grandfather many decades ago had back surgery. I've got minor back issues. My poor son, 25 years old, has already had a couple of incidents of of the lower back seizing up. I'm I'm sorry, son, you're a Simons. You're a male Simons, and that's just part of the lineage that we carry. So I've had a little issue the last few days. I've been used to it for 30-plus years. I know what to do. You just do some light stretching, some massaging of it. I've got a massage gun. Maybe you pop some ibuprofen. I prefer not to, but occasionally you have to. And you just take it easy. And so this morning as I was feeling that, I one of the things that I have found that really helps is to make sure my hip flexors are loose. It all Isn't that interesting how the body is all connected? It took me years of some physical therapy and seeing chiropractors for them to finally zero in. Well, part of the genesis of your issue, yeah, some of it's genetic, but you have really tight hip flexors, which is pulling on your back. So you make sure that those things are loosened. You work through them every day, and you're going to find your back issues really don't occur that often. And they're right. Really, even though I'm 60 years old, I have fewer back issues now than I did 10 or 20 years ago. So I get down um, on the uh, living room floor this morning before I go to work early in the morning. And I'm I'm thinking, I'm just going to do some hip flexors here very lightly. Make sure the lower back is a little, it's better because it feels just a little tight. So I'm down there doing hip flexors. Okay, I'm done. I put my hand on a little footstool to lift myself up and down goes Frazier. I am sprawled face first as my lower back has seized up. It's I, I've always wondered what they mean in the phrase throw your back out because technically you're not really throwing the back out if you've ever had it happen. And this was like the the third time that I've ever had this happen, but the worst in terms of pain where it feels like there's this vice grip on your lower back and it gets tighter and tighter and tighter until you can't stand it anymore. So I admit I wasn't very manly this morning and I screamed and I tried to get up and pain shot through all my limbs and I couldn't hold back. It just was like this guttural response. I scream again and my son, who is home this morning, came running in. I I really felt bad about that. I think he thought the old man was having a heart attack or something. And uh, I couldn't breathe. And I'm trying to talk to him as he's trying to come over and help me. And I'm I'm basically signaling, no, do not touch me. Because anytime I would move anything, a hand, a leg or whatever, the pain would shoot through again. I was on the ground probably for 30 minutes. Got up to my feet maybe 15, 20 minutes after that. And Um, so that's the issue today. Now I immediately had to redo some client meetings today and do them on zoom from my living room. I, or my uh, office in the house. I prefer not to do that, but the clients totally understood. But then I started to think about this show. Oh no, I'm hosting tonight at your service. I don't want to do that remotely. I have before I've done the dollars and cents show remotely. I've done at your service remotely, but I would prefer to do it downtown here in the studio. There's just something, there's a difference between virtual reality and reality. There's a different feel. Uh, I'm in the zone better here. You you just want to be where the action is, right? So I went out to the car 
And I tested, could I even get in the seat? What does it feel like when I put the pedal down a little bit with the foot? I passed. It was a little painful. So here I am. I've made it to the studio. Now, what else could go wrong? Again, a ton of things. It was just a series of things all day long, including when it was time to do the Zoom review meetings, my entire computer crashed. I get that going, and then I realize I cannot get into the workstation through UBS. I've never had that problem before. In all the years and all the days, now I can't even. So I had to get one of my team members to send me a link through my personal email to try to do it that way, and that finally worked. And then there was just a series of things, and it all ended with dinner tonight. My son, because he's such a good son, said, Dad, I'm going to go get us dinner. Um, my wife is out of town, so my son's hanging around. And so he went up to get dinner, and I said, okay, this is what I want. Now make sure they don't put any mayonnaise or anything like that on it because I can't stand it. And, of course, what did it come back with? Oh, I think like three extra helpings of special sauce mayonnaise all over it. Like, yeah, this is Dave and the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. But you know what? I'm still here. I'm still breathing. I'm alive and loving every minute of it. So that sets the stage. Now, enough of that. I've got plenty of material that I've been gathering for a few days. And when I come back here, what I want to start with is this. There are some myths, I guess you could say, that need to be broken. And they're related to Social Security. They're related to investing. They're related to building your wealth. This whole thing about, I can't take these kinds of losses in the market because I'm of a certain age and I may never get my money back. You ever said that? If you're of a certain age, you're retired, you're 75, 80, 85, or above. Um, Hold on to that thought for a second. How about it's a rigged game in the market? And then also Social Security, it's mine and I'm going to take it. I'm not going to wait. Yeah, we're going to dig into those myths and those theories and I'm going to prevent or present hopefully a little bit of reality. All right. It is 15 minutes after eight o'clock here in St. Louis. Dave Simon's along for the ride tonight. We will return. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I'm trying to do that, folks. I'm trying to keep pushing on, as Kevin Cronin would sing in this song. We'll get there. It's all good. Uh, it just, it's maddening, and it's, um, 
man, I, I'm, I'm mad about this back thing because I had been feeling so good and I've had a great racing season. As uh, many of you know, I'm, I'm big into the endurance sports and whether it's long distance cycling or triathlon up to the Ironman, I love running marathons. And so I'm closing out the season in two weeks with a half marathon. And I, I really have had a good, healthy racing season. And uh, my training had gone well for this half marathon coming up. And then this thing happens. So the season is shut down. Woe is me. First world problems. I understand. All right. Um, let, hypothetically here, uh, some 82-year-old has a million dollars at the top. Let's say he had a million dollars of invested of investable assets at the beginning of the year. That was his highest level. He never thought that he would ever see a financial statement that shows his stocks and bonds and all that. And there it is, seven figures for the first time. Yes, had to get into my 80s to do it, but there I am. And then this year's bear market hits. And unfortunately, it's one of the worst. In fact, it is the worst year since 1931 for a combination of stocks and bonds. Not the worst year for stocks. It is the worst year for bonds. Gold is also down. So it's been really, really difficult to find a place that hasn't declined of traditional assets. So here is this 82-year-old gentleman who is middle of the road in terms of risk on a scale of 1 to 10. He's about a 5. But the S&P 500 is is down 23% or so. The bond market, just a the, the traditional AGG, that's um, a symbol for like the bond index that a lot of institutional traders use, that's down about 16% year-to-date. By far, the worst return, nine and a half months into a year. Not even close. So when you combine that as a 60-40, you really are looking at about a 20% decline. So let's say his million dollars, he's not... He was even a little bit more conservative. And so let's say it's worth eight fifty. He's down fifteen percent. And he doesn't like it. He's not thirty-five. He's not fifty-two. He's eighty-two. And then the bear market, let's say, going forward, continues to slowly decline. A death by a thousand cuts. And here is the eight fifty goes to eight seventeen, eight oh three, and now seven ninety-five. And he's like, that's it. I'm done. I've got to sell. I've got to get out. Why? Because I won't live long enough to make my money back if this goes down even more. In fact, here we are. I've got to go back up. To, you know, it's, it's not just I've got to, I've lost 20% and I go up 20%. We know that's not true. You got to go up 25% and then some, actually more than that, um, because he's, he's slow, a little bit below 800K. And so he's thinking, I, how many years is that going to take? How many years do I have left on God's green earth? I don't know. Let's explore that because a lot of folks who are a certain age and they feel like they're in the eighth or ninth inning of life get almost too conservative and they don't need to. What I would ask this gentleman is, why is the million important to you? Why do you think you need to get back there? Because that's what I had. No, I know. I know that's a good round number. But are you still able to live your life the way you did when it was a million here at 795? Have you had to adjust your lifestyle? Do you still spend the same amount of money? Yeah, I, I, I guess I do. Maybe I don't go out to restaurants as much because I'm nervous. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. But you haven't had to dramatically alter it. And if you 
wanted to still go out to your restaurants and live the same life, could you? Yeah, I guess I could. And why is that? And then the gentleman would proceed to tell me, well, he gets his Social Security. He takes dividends and interest and all the the, the cream off the crop of his investments. Now, some people have pensions. Most people don't. Some people have rental income. Most people don't. But the key here is whatever your income sources are, have they been impacted by this bear market? The answer should be no. And I'm just zeroing in here on the investment portfolio side. When you're in retirement, my friends, the best way and the safest way when you're generating income from a portfolio is not to have to lop off principal on a monthly basis. It's okay now and then, hey, I need, I'm going to go on a really expensive vacation. I'm, I'm going to treat myself. I, it's time to buy a new car. Those things might come up and you will need to lop off a little principal. It's nice, though, during years like this where you say, well, I was going to buy a new car. I don't really need it. I can use the current one. I'm going to wait. I get that. But this thing that we focus on in this gentleman's case, the million dollars, that's called anchoring. It is a psychological um, connection there that is used in, in, in a lot of financial study. I know the people who get their CFAs, charter financial analysts, do a big thing on anchoring. A lot of times it's the first number in a series, but it, it can also be this big number that you anchor yourself to. And a lot of us do that. We remember what the high of our portfolio is, and we need to get back there. Well, of course we do. But is it essential? If this gentleman who's 82 years old does start to see his portfolio go slowly back up, get back above 800, 850, 920, and then he passes away, did he lose? No. He didn't get back to a million, but is that really the game? Then that's what I would ask him. Do you, is your goal, is your number one goal here, the day you die, you're at the highest you ever were in the level of your investable assets? Is that the goal? Well, not really. It'd be nice, but no, that's not the goal. Okay. Is your goal to leave as much money as possible to your heirs? Most people would say, no, I'd like to leave as much possible, but no, that's not the overriding goal. Because if it is, you shouldn't have any money risked. You should have it just all in CDs and cash and bonds and short-term bonds and be done with it. My point is this. You need to liberate yourself. You, You really do. When you're in retirement and you're older and you're beating yourself up and you're worried and there's a lot of despondency going on because you're down X amount of dollars and you don't know that you're going to live long enough to see that previous number. And I ask you once again, is that a goal? Why is that important? Does it impact your life? If it does, perhaps you're already pulling too much money out. You weren't just using the dividends. Maybe you were needing another 3 to 5% in growth. It's great when there's a bull market because your extra amount of money that you're pulling out has been hidden by a bull market. But now you're exposed by 2022's bear market. When I was young, I remember my grandpa, my dad's dad, telling me, and I didn't get what he said. I didn't get what this meant. But I remember when he retired. He was probably in his 60s, I guess. And he said, David, you know you've made it when you stop working for your money and your money works for you. And he gave out a laugh, and I'm like, oh, that's great, Grandpa. I have no idea what he means. 
Of course I do now. And it's so true. That's a mantra that we should all live by. And how do you make sure that your money is working for you? You can still keep it in stocks and bonds and make sure that it pays out in dividends, but don't require a bunch of principal. I can't, I can help anybody make sure they're in the right kind of a portfolio if they're responsible in their spending needs and using income from it. I can't help you if you think you need 8 to 10% or more annually from your portfolio. There's a good chance if you live long enough, you won't. Number one, you'll never see the high again. And number two, you risk just running out of money. So there's number one. Number two, it's a rigged game. Man, I've heard that a lot over the 30 years, nearly 30 years I've been in this business. I don't invest anymore. I used to. I used to play the market, but it's a rigged game. The rich and powerful, they control everything. Don't you see? You're just a bunch of sheep out there getting sucked into the market every time, and they win, and you, the little guy, you lose every time. It's rigged. Let me um, submit something to those of you who think that, and I will probably be stepping on your toes when I say this, but look in the mirror when you say that, and the mistake is staring back at you. Anyone who says it's a rigged game is just throwing that out there. Perhaps they've never invested to begin with, and they're just against capitalism in some degree anyway, or they have invested in the past. They didn't do a very good job of it, They lost money. They got out. Maybe they tried it again, lost money again. They said, that's not worth it. And so they have to blame somebody, and they blame Wall Street. Now, I'm no great defender of Wall Street as as a whole. When I go up in there and visit and and, um, talk to some folks, a lot of times I'm like, oh, man, I need to go take a shower, like, real quick. Not my place. So I get that part of it. But, my friends, if you invest wisely and smartly and responsibly. It it doesn't take a rocket scientist. You don't need your chartered financial analyst uh, designation to buy good quality stocks and hang on to them and sell at appropriate times. That's going to be up to you and your advisor if you work with somebody. But we're not talking about market timing. You're not going in and out of the market or anything like that. So this whole thing about a rigged game is usually said by people who already are somewhat conspiratorial to begin with or people who have gone in there, made some horrible mistakes, they day trade and they've just determined, yeah, nobody can play in this. Well, it's not a place to play. It's a place to build wealth. When we come back, I've got the third one that I'm going to bust open, and that is Social Security. Yeah, I might as well take it early. It's going to be gone or Hey, I put all that money into it. It's mine, and I'm going to take it. I'm not going to wait until later on. Yeah, hold on just a bit, my friends. We'll talk about that whole concept of taking Social Security at a particular age when when we return. My name is Dave Simons. This is At Your Service. We'll be back. All right, my friends, welcome back. It is 835 in St. Louis. Dave Simons filling in tonight for At Your Service here on Camo X. Obviously, one of the big hot topics every year is Social Security. And now that I'm into my 60s, it's like, oh, I kind of see it out there on the horizon. It becomes even more important. So it is a hot topic for those of us of a certain age. And one of the, th- one of the ongoing debates is when to take it, at what age. 
The earliest you can take it, that's an age that has just not changed, and that's 62, but you do have reduced benefits. Now, this conversation that I'm about to have does not apply to those of you who had no choice but to take Social Security early at 62. Or you're getting close to it and you will have no choice. And and, and that is the folks who say, look, I have a broken down body. I physically cannot work or I could not work after 62. In fact, I really couldn't do a great job after 58 or 60, but I was just hanging on. I had to at least get to 62 and then, boom, I just, whoo, before I fell completely off the cliff, I finally was able to quit my job. I've got a little income over here on the side from some small investments. Now I'll take Social Security and it's going to be a very modest life, but that's what I have to do. Okay, this conversation is not directed at you. This is directed at everybody else who doesn't need to take Social Security at 62, which hopefully you don't need to. You're either continuing to work or you have enough in assets to at least fill the gap until you get to your full retirement age. Let's say it's 67. And so you've got a few years that you're either going to work until you're 67 or you will retire a little bit before that and you'll use other sources of income. Maybe you just work part-time somewhere or you've got some pension or whatever to get you through. Do you do you take it, though, at 65 66. Again, these are reduced benefits. Now, one of the arguments I hear is, I don't care if it's reduced benefits. It's mine. I paid into the system, and I'm going to get it. Well, hold on to that for a second. If you live a long life, and we don't know that you will, and what is a long life? Everybody has a different definition, but for me, it would be anything over the actuarial age. So if you're a male, whatever that is, 80, 81, for a woman, 83, 84, whatever that age is. And there's a good chance, perhaps, if you're relatively healthy now, that you'll shoot past that age. That's typically the crossover for waiting on Social Security. Here's the key, though, for you married couples, all right? Let's say there's Mr. and Mrs. Johnson, and Mr. Johnson has a Social Security amount of $2,500 or whatever. And his wife was a stay-at-home mom for many years, did work some part-time jobs, even some full-time here and there. But when it's all said and done, Mr. is going to have more Social Security than Mrs. So Mr. comes to me and says... Well, yeah, I, you know, I don't need it, but, you know, I'm 65 years old and I'm going to go ahead and take it. I can't even guarantee it's going to be around. That's the second one that we're going to get to. And I paid into it. It's mine. And I don't want it. What if I died at 72? I'm going to kick myself up there in heaven, look down and go, oh, man, I should have taken it early. I don't want to wait till full retirement age. And I certainly don't want to wait till 70. Well, really, the decision that you're making is not just for you. We're talking about two lives here. What if your wife lives to be 92 years old, 95, even 88? You do her a benefit by waiting and taking the most amount of Social Security you can. So don't worry about your age. Maybe you don't have a a lot of longevity on your side. Maybe she does, though. So you're making a decision not just for yourself, but for the two of you. That's that's key. All right. Now, a lot of people, when they get to full retirement age, again, in this hypothetical example, let's say it's 67 and you still don't need it. Hey, man, that's a great spot to be in. Congratulations. Do you still take it again? A lot of people. Well, yeah, I don't want to wait. I paid in all those years. It's mine. 
yeah, but how can you not, you can't guarantee that you won't live a long life. And whatever ails you at 85, maybe they have the magic pill to get you to 98. Some people laugh at when I say that. I don't want to live to be 98. Well, maybe you will. And if you don't need the money, and again, you're looking at your spouse here that could get the higher amount, you always want to wait if you can. All right? So that's something that you need to really sit down and discuss. But don't don't use the, it's mine and I'm going to take it. That's very short-sighted. I get it. I get the mindset, no question. But very short-sighted, and I think you would have a regret of doing that 10, 15 years down the road. The other thing is, well, it's going to be gone, or I can't guarantee Social Security will even be there when I'm 75, 80 years old. I also get that mindset, but it's wrong. It's wrong for those of us of a certain age. Republicans and Democrats, newsflash here, don't agree on a lot of things these days. But one thing they do agree on, for the most part, is they will not tinker with Social Security for people above a certain age. So me being 60 and all of those of you above, we are safe. I'm telling you, we are safe from them tinkering with our Social Security. For better or worse, we have the power, we have the money, and the politicians know that. And both sides, for the Republicans, the age that they tend to float around before they would start tinkering with future benefits is 55 and older. Democrats typically like that number of 50. Now, nothing is going to be done in election year, so that's not even on the table and probably won't. It's an untenable issue for the most part politically. And we as the electorate are somewhat the cause of that. We, we demand that there be changes and we want Social Security to be saved. Okay, this is what we have to do. Well, you better not touch mine. Well, you can't have your cake and eat it too. But the point here is I can't guarantee anything for those of you who are 42 or 35 or my kids in their mid to late 20s. Something is going to have to happen. It really is to make sure that Social Security is viable. Politicians have to give you a leeway. It has to give you a runway before in any kind of long-term planning so you know what your Social Security benefits may be decades from now. They're not going to do it to a 60-year-old who's just years away. So that is another myth that you need to stop using as an excuse to take Social Security early for those of you who don't need it. Wait at least until full retirement age. Now, I typically don't battle people too much who say, Dave, I still don't need it at 67. But I'm just not going to wait till 70. Okay, if it doesn't move the needle much in your financial planning, I can show you the black and white data that says in your lifetime, you will receive more in benefits if you wait till 70, if you live at least till you're 83 or 84, there is a cutoff. And you may look at that and say, no, I totally agree. I understand but I'm still taking it 67 because I don't want to keep taking money from my portfolio. I just want to go ahead and turn it on. All right. If the plan works, that's not a hill I'm going to die on. Just don't tell me though it's mine and I'm going to take it or it's going to be gone because those are the two myths that um, just don't work. So there we go. Hopefully you kind of get the mindset of yours truly and hopefully it actually um, touched some of you starting with, Uh, The whole idea of um, Social Security about, not Social Security, your investments. Those of you of a certain age, you're afraid that you're not going to live long enough to get the money back when really that's not part of a plan. 
You don't need to die at the highest level. Just liberate yourself from some of that fear because for most people, you don't need to die with the highest amount. You'll be okay. It'll come back, even if it never gets back to the prior amount. That's the anchoring bias that affects a lot of us negatively. The other one, well, I'll never, uh, I'm sorry, it's a rigged game. That's by people who have typically not invested well. They day trade or they use emotions. They panic when the market's down too much. They get sucked back in after the market's already back up above where they sold. I'll get back in. Then we have a correction again, and they're convinced it's a rigged game and only the rich make money. And by the way, that is so not true. There are extremely wealthy people who do really dumb things with their investing, too. And they're supposed to be part of the protected class on Wall Street. It ain't true, folks. Let me tell you, there are well-known hedge funds that have a string of successes over the years and then make a couple of really boneheaded moves that destroys their entire hedge fund. Billions of dollars down the drain. Some of these times, every once in a while, they're highlighted and you hear about them. These are extremely smart Ph.D. type people and they're not protected. They're not, there's no rigged game. Otherwise, this would never happen. You don't ever have to suffer that fate if you just have a plan that's in reason and within your risk tolerance. And then, again, to wrap it up, Social Security, don't use the excuses, it's mine and I'm going to take it. That doesn't work. Don't be so short-sighted. If you're married, think about your spouse before you make any decisions Again, that's not talking to people who really do have to take it early, and then it's going to be gone. Yeah, someday it, 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 we're in trouble, but not for those of a certain age and getting close to that. All right, when we come back, people going back to work, they're not sitting in their mom's basement anymore, day trading. Yeah, we have proof of that. And do you realize this is one of the worst years in history in terms of the number of days where the market's been up? Yeah, one of the worst days ever. And we'll put that in perspective when we come back with more at your service after this commercial break. Nearly a century of informing, entertaining, and serving St. Louis. KMOX. It is 11 minutes before the hour. It's just a fancy way to say it's 849. I'm good with numbers, see? Dave Simons with you this evening. By day, certified financial planner. By night, just the everyman. And uh, loving every minute of it. So what has happened here the last year or two has really confounded sociologists, yeah, it's easy for me to say, and um, economists, market strategists. All of us, we sit there and scratch our head and and we ask ourselves, where did all the workers go? We had a certain amount of employment pre-pandemic, and I I get how the economy was forced to shut down. A lot of people were sent home. But when everything reopened, where'd they all go? Aren't we supposed to be back in full force again? Yeah, in many industries, we are. But I'll pick... In a couple in particular, retail, still a lot of help wanted, restaurants, bars, kind of the service industry, a lot of the lower uh, income paying jobs still really struggling to find help. Where where where'd they go? 
A lot of different theories abound, and all of them are plausible to some degree, but let's not try to overcomplicate this. Folks who never really needed a lot of money to maintain their lifestyle, like the rest of us, they weren't spending much of anything when we were all forced to stay at home during the early days of COVID. So we're not out spending money at restaurants, fast food places. We're not driving a lot, so our gas bill is way down. We're not traveling. We're not taking vacation, whether it's to the Ozarks or to Disney World or whatever. And so our cash balances in our checking account and savings are going up, up, and up. We had a record amount of individual cash savings accounts, record amount of dollars in these things in late 2020 and into 2021. Meanwhile, the government was sending a lot of Americans checks during that time, right? We had three different rounds of stimulus There was almost a fourth. That's a whole other topic. And so you had a lot of people that never had a lot of money to begin with, and now they're sitting on the most amount of money they've ever had. And then what happened, especially for the younger generation, they started to turn to this thing called day trading, man. Yeah, buying a little GameStop, get on my Robinhood app, and I... I just bought another 50 shares of AMC. Now I'm into options, man. This, man, this is, why, why didn't, why isn't my dad worth $20 million? Why wasn't he doing this? This is easy. I've turned $1,000 into $12,000, man. This, and, and I'm only 25 years old. If I keep this, I'll be able to retire when I'm 35. And then they had heroes like Dave Portnoy, the loudmouth out there, who was saying things like, Warren Buffett is yesterday's news. There's a new sheriff in town, and it's me. And so a lot of the younger investors, yay, Dave, we'll follow you all the way. Yes, we're getting rich. Until the music stopped. Like we knew, who have been in the business a long time, we knew it inevitably would So the Wall Street Journal even had an article this week talking about those who are staying home day trading during the pandemic instead of going back to work when their restaurant or whatever came calling, they're going back now. And they actually had some quotes from some people saying, yeah, that was fun while it lasted, but I lost most of the money I made, and now I'm going back to my old job. Isn't that interesting? And we see this in the stats, too, by the way. Charles Schwab, a lot of, not everyone goes to Robinhood as an app. They'll go to a a Charles Schwab online. And in the uh, first quarter of 2021, 8.4 million daily average trades. Think about that. Just at Schwab, during the height of the meme stock mania, 8.4 million trades were made on average every day. This summer, it had fallen to 5.5. A real dramatic decline. Why? Because all of a sudden, mm, yeah, maybe I'm not as smart as I thought I was. And in bear markets, it's really hard to make money. We also saw that at Morgan Stanley. And you'd think, why? Morgan Stanley does day trading? No, not necessarily, but they do own E-Trade. That's where it happens. The trading there has been cut in half. In the first quarter of 2021, they averaged 1.6 million trades. By, uh, what is this, the third quarter. Okay, third quarter that just ended, down to 805000 Been cut in half. Now, the, the real story is over at Robin Hood, which is kind of the poster child of the mania that we saw there for a while. Uh, they have really had to cut costs now because of extremely lower volumes. I haven't seen the numbers other than. They are cutting 
of their full-time staff. Can you can you imagine that? Nearly one in four. Now, they've actually cut more because this is the second round of layoffs. Why do I bring this up? Because I think slowly and sh- but surely we are seeing a return to normalcy for all this head-scratching, where are the workers? It just took a while. Once this party was over, these folks are starting to come back. Now, that's not going to bring everybody back. No question. You had some people who... Ret- they were forced out of their jobs because of the pandemic. And let's say they were 58 years old and they were trying to hang on till 60 or 62. And then they, they kind of did a reassessment of their life when their old job said, it's time to come back. We don't want you to work remotely anymore. Well, I want to work remotely. Well, we don't want that. Okay. See ya. But you're quitting. Well, I'm retiring. I, maybe I wanted a little bit more money, but I've decided I'm going to go ahead and maybe live a little bit more modestly. I'll make it work. There's no question that that has happened. So there are a lot of different moving parts that have caused this question that we've all asked, where are all the workers? But I really zeroed in on on kind of that younger generation that'll come back. And that's very, very important because the whole thing about returning to normal will really help the Fed in its battle against inflation. We, we need more productivity. That really helps. You get some of these supply chain open uh, back up because that's another thing. It's one thing to turn on the economic engine again, but if you can't get the workers back, you're still going to have these very tight supply chains. We are seeing data now that supports the notion that that is happening. Whole other issue as I close out this hour, though, is is the Fed going to overshoot and too aggressively rate rate uh, uh, raise rates when we clearly see the economy in certain parts is starting to soften a bit? Whole other topic. Man, have I got some stuff for you in the second hour, folks, including an update on a podcast. Yes, my own podcast. I recorded the two first interviews I'll tell you about in the second hour. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 